Good morning to all of you joining us locally by radio and streaming online. We appreciate you tuning in. Today is Sunday, November 19th, 2017. I'm your host, Maddie Love, in studio today with none other than Dr. Dim himself, Jim Fitzsimmons, the host and producer of Dimland Radio. This is an open conversation. We welcome and encourage listener interaction with your phone calls to 952-946-6205, your emails to radio at mnatheists.org, tweet us at Atheist Talk, or send us a message over at facebook.com slash atheisttalk. That phone number only works while we're live, but if you're listening to the podcast, you can always email or tweet us to send us a message. Jim, thanks yes. for joining me on this gorgeous late November morning. Oh, thanks for having me on. <laughs> uh... Yeah, I kind of got thrown off there. It's <laughs> okay. I'm not used to people being happy to be. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> so you and I first met uh, about two and a half years ago, May of 2015, in this studio, actually. Yeah, it was right in here. Yeah, right former – <laughs> I think we actually sat next to each other at that yeah, moment we shared did. that other microphone. Yes, we did. Uh, I would think former, former host Mike Hobrick did a show called A Pod of Podcasts. It was mm-hmm. me – uh, you, mm-hmm. Geeks Without God, sans Molly, unfortunately. Um, and I mean Molly the person, not Molly the, the drug. Um, oh, right. Th- there's lots of Molly in the room for that day. Anyway, um, <laughs> we do not endorse drug use. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> and a YouTuber show called Positively Godless, who up until like researching for this, mm-hmm. I completely forgot they were in the room. I I didn't remember what their, their show was called. Yeah, but I, now I found it was like, they're actually really good. I, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll have yeah. to check them out. <laughs> Uh, I remember feeling kind of, though, like somebody had made a mistake to have me in the studio. (laughs) I don't know how you felt, but... Well, we were all skeptics, and I think that's what Mike was going for, so... Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, it was good. Uh, So so I mentioned you're the host of Dimland Radio. Mm -hmm. What is Dimland Radio? Uh, It's hard to... Well, it's pop culture rants, uh, science promotion, skepticism, uh, some political talk, not much because I'm not a great political thinker. Uh, it's usually just what interests me and hopefully it interests anybody who listens, you know, my two or three listeners. So, yeah, that's that's what it is. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you have more than two or three listeners. I hope so. <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, and, and if it's a, a baseball postseason, it's going to be a little bit of baseball talk because <laughs> I can't help myself. So I, I guess – and we probably covered this two years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, how'd you get into podcasting? Or I guess you, you didn't really start podcasting. You started internet radio. Right, right. Well, um, I had a, I have a friend who is uh, at the other end of the spectrum for me is when it comes to skepticism, although he's not polar opposite. He's a little skeptical. But uh, he tends to believe in the paranormal and supernatural type explanations for things. And uh, he got... Started up in some internet radio station, which at the time I think was called Dark Plains Radio, and then it uh, changed to Z Talk Radio. And um, he told me he was doing this thing on whatever night it was, and so I started showing up in the chat room. And um, people liked the you know this skeptic that would come in and ask some questions of his of him and of his guests, and and uh, then we counter chat with each other in the chat rooms. Okay, okay, Mr. Skeptic, how do you explain this or whatever? And so, well, I can't explain it it's necessarily. It just means, you know, what I, you know, I just it, but they thought it was nice enough. And then the idea just started getting batted around saying, you know, maybe you should do a show. Because I was on his show a couple of times and they thought I did pretty well. So it took a little while and then I finally decided, okay, I'll 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 give it a shot. And uh I've been on since um 
since March of 2010, uh, 11 o'clock on Saturday nights, uh, Central. Uh, where is, what time it is in your part of the world, you have to figure <laughs> that out. But, uh, but yeah, so I've been doing that ever since. I used to do it live, but now I pre-record it just because it's for ease of just getting it done. And if I ever have to, I don't edit. <laughs> I just do it live to my laptop. And um, there, although a couple of weeks ago, um, I started off, I got 10 minutes in and I was, I was talking about the World Series and I had messed up something pretty badly. And I thought, I'm not going to be able to fix this. So let's just start over. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the, as somebody podcasts, but edits their podcast. Mm-hmm. I, I tell people all the time, podcasting is so much easier than doing radio because mm-hmm. I can mess up something over and over and over again, and mm-hmm. you will never hear it mm-hmm. unless I want you to hear it. Sure. <laughs> sure. Well, <laughs> it, I kept the same feel because, I, like I said, I used to do it live. And uh, uh, I think I even mentioned this one when I was on here before uh, that there was a show. Just as I was getting started, I have a beer sitting there. Just as I was getting started, I put up the microphone sound. And I'd knock the beer over. And I just said, oh, for Pete's sake. <laughs> and i get onto the show. And I said, uh, I just knocked over a beer. So um, I, I, was, I had planned to play a song by George Robb on that show. George Robb is a podcaster and musician extraordinaire. And uh, I was going to play one of his songs. So I said, I'll play it now while I clean up the beer. So it's just, you know, you just have to deal with it. Just roll with it. So uh, did you... Did you see yourself still doing this so 10 years? I mean, it sounds like you kind of got on as like, hey, this would be fun. Like, hey, mm-hmm. get it. I mean, is this, did you actually think you gonna, this was going to make a long-term thing or? Well, as a lifelong self-talker, <laughs> it's nice to have a little, it's a nice to have a, you know, a chance to practice it where somebody else might hear it <laughs> and you're not being embarrassed about it. I mean, I can remember being a kid walking home from the school bus and I tend to look at the ground as I'm walking and I'm talking to myself, look up, there's somebody there's like, oh, pretend you're singing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. It's just, uh, I, I, there was a little bit, I, I had a tech air, uh, issues with my laptop, old laptop and couldn't do a show for you know, like a month. And it just started feeling wrong. <laughs> I, I, I got to go sit down for an hour and just talk about whatever. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I, now I just look forward to it, even though, each week I kind of you – know, I sit down on Fridays and I think, okay, what am I – you know, throughout the week I'm thinking about what I'll talk about. And I even kind of rehearse it through the week. You know, how am I going to say this and whatever. And then at sometime on Friday I sit down and I think, okay, what am I going to talk about? <laughs> I hope I have enough. And uh, I, I try to handle the show uh, where I do up a couple pages of notes and, and – uh, so I follow that as my little guideline, but I leave it loose for if something occurs to me, I can go off on a tangent, and I often do. Sometimes the tangents are planned, <laughs> but they're you know they're written in the margins. If I have time, I'm looking at the clock. Do I have time to do this little tangent? I might do it, or I might not. So uh, hopefully it has a somewhat spontaneous feel. No, it does feel very much like it's a stream of consciousness show. That's what I, I you know I was thinking about that. I, said, I my I don't know if I'd be able to do it, but just one where it just absolutely goes, you know, from one thing to another where there's no, it's, it's no, there's no part where I stop and say, okay, what am I going to hit next? Um, where I just go through it. I have moments where I start flowing like that. And that's, that feels good. 
I just did a podcast workshop to teach and helping people learn how to podcast. Uh, it was myself and Marissa Lex McCool. She does the Inciting Incident podcast. Um, and it, I was down at Skepticon, actually, down in, in Missouri. Uh, but that was one of the things we talked about was contrast each other. Like, I, like for my own show, I script everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas she scripts nothing. Oh. I heard it's completely off the cuff. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like your show was kind of... Kind of a little in between. A little in between. I, uh, the only thing that is uh, absolutely scripted is the opening. I say it. I write it down every week, and it's, you know, welcome to Dimline Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor <laughs> online. And I, and I have it absolutely memorized, but I write it down. Uh, and I think that's uh, – I use that as a little tool to get me started writing the rest of the notes just get writing that part and it's for the show it's just get that out and you get yourself started and then i just start you know just talking about whatever occurs to me so you're an atheist mhm you identify as a skeptic yep so of course the the most you know the biggest question i have to ask you uh, what are you a skeptic of what do you got <laughs> uh <laughs> Uh, well, as you're a skeptic as well, so you know that the the, the, the main answer, the easiest answer, is extraordinary claims. You know, right. If you, you know, there's the old phrase: if something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And there's a reason why that's a good phrase, and it's lasted the test of time because some things just don't sound right, or they don't. That doesn't pass the smell test. Uh, there's all the you know, the basic stuff of uh, supernatural and paranormal. Uh, it's been said. You know, if we establish that you know, something supernatural exists, it becomes natural. If, we, if you establish something paranormal exists, it becomes normal. Uh, so th- it's so that that's I'm, – I'm essentially saying there's no such thing because <laughs> once it's – once we figure out what it is, it's no longer supernatural or paranormal. It's natural and normal. Maybe rare, but there's an ex- there's an explanation for it. So <clears> – <throat> And, you know, I tell people that uh, you know, if you were to tell me that yesterday you went to Home Depot and picked up some paint, that's not an extraordinary claim. I have no reason to doubt doubt you on that unless, you know, unless I know you to be a pathological liar who will lie every moment of the day, then I might have reason to doubt you. But oh. otherwise, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> otherwise uh, uh, if you said that I went to the Home Depot yesterday to pick up some paint and on the way I was abducted by aliens and taken on a ride around the uh, – solar system and and uh, various experimental surgeries are done on me or whatever. And that becomes an extraordinary claim. And so you need more than just your word. That's kind of how – I think that's how this skeptic anyway deals with stuff. Well, and if, maybe if the aliens took you to, to Lowe's instead of Home Depot, that was the point of affecting yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I have music playing in my ears telling me we need to go to our first break. So while you listen to these messages from our sponsors, Jim and I will have a brief discussion about my generation. So please stay with us through the break, and we'll return to Atheist Talk with our guest, Jim Fitzsimmons. I'm Maddie Love, and you're listening to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Welcome back to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. You're tuned into Atheist Talk. I'm your host, Maddie Love, in studio with the host and producer of Dimland Radio, Jim Fitzsimmons. Before we get back to the show, I want to remind everyone listening live that immediately following this program, you can listen to American Atheist Viewpoint, an official production from American Atheists. 
This week, Nick Fish, National Program Director for American Atheists, discusses Senate candidate Roy Moore, his stance on abortion, and how conservative, conservative evangelicals are embracing him despite some heinous allegations that go against the beliefs most Christians claim to believe in. If you miss an episode live, you can always catch American Atheist Viewpoint by subscribing to the podcast version in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite podcatcher. If you're interested in getting involved with this conversation or just want to call in and discuss how Teenage Wasteland will always be your favorite Who song, this phone number is 952-946-6205. After we're off the air, you can email us at radio at mnatheist.org, tweet us at Atheist Talk, or leave a message on the Facebook post over at facebook.com slash Atheist Talk. All right. Jim, so yeah. I mentioned the who, and in having a conversation with you, I would be remiss if I failed to mention the who. All right. I've done entire episodes on them. Well, pre- pretty close. <laughs> so <laughs> why do they hold such a prominent place in your life? <sighs> it's hard. I, 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 I was kind of a fan. I mean, I knew of them back in, uh, you know, on August 1st, uh, 1982. Uh, I knew of them. I knew a few of their songs. Knew that they had a new album out with their song Athena getting played on the radio. I knew Pete Townsend had some solo stuff, and uh, uh, you know. But I was, you know, whatever. And then on October second, uh, a friend of mine called me. I come back from the comic book store, and, and my friend, my mom says, "Call your friend John right away." So I call him, and he says, "I've got three tickets to see the Who tonight." Uh, you know, one I got one other friend to go. Do you want to go? And I said sure. Went and it must have hit me at the right time in my life. And it's just like it just it's, I fell in love with the band. And uh, and there was some connection to Pete Townsend for whatever reason. Uh, to, for me, uh, you listen to his lyrics. They're very honest. He's he's a bit pretentious, but they're very honest. <laughs> and uh, there's just something. And you you mentioned Teenage Wasteland, and I I suppressed my pedantic nature to correct you that it's called Baba O'Reilly. Whatever. But <laughs> he does have a song called Teenage Wasteland, which was part of his demos for this Lifehouse project, which ended up ended up being Who's Next, uh, one of their you know greatest achievements. But uh, I. I it's I don't know. It must have just hit me at the right time in my life. Um, I, I, I you know I have a son who is uh, 14, and I was thinking you know he's already been ex- you know I have a friend Dave who said uh, you know have you uh, you know sent him through the Who 101 yet? And I said well not yet. We we got him with the Ramones so far, and, the, and we started him with the Beatles, and you know, he's listening to the Ramones. So, you know, Going to save in the Who because they do use some salty language, and uh, and it, but. I thought a perfect album to give him or to have him listen to when he gets to be well at the age he is now, it would be Quadrophenia, which is an album about a kid feeling messed up in his life and trying to figure out who he is and uh, feeling the pull of uh, leaving adolescence and getting into young adulthood and, and all that stuff that happens. And it, I mean, I came to that album after I was well, I was about I was eighteen. Yeah, and and it just it just really resonated with me. The other album I'll give him is uh, the replacements. Let it be. I says these two albums will help you. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. It's just I once once I discover them, I see everything through who colored glasses. It's just I just I can't help it. And I think as I get older, I get more obsessed with them. <laughs> and I try. I mean, I I did a bit on the show. Oh, when I was going live, where I played, I think about the first two minutes of Baba O'Reilly about how 
you know, it's synthesizers that starts it off. And it says if you were a Who fan up until then, you hadn't heard anything from that album, there was nothing that preceded that that prepared you for that sound. And this is the first song on the album. And, and it takes – you know, it takes two minutes before Keith starts or before uh, Pete starts crashing in with his guitar. And it's just uh, – I, I don't know. I just sat there and <laughs> indulged myself because I can do that on my show. It's one of the coolest things about like having – like I, as much as I love doing Atheist Talk, mm-hmm. cool, one of the coolest things about like doing my own show is I can talk about whatever I want. There's no restrictions. There's nobody – there's nobody to there, – maybe there should be somebody to say don't talk about that. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> my wife was kind of saying that last night. Well, maybe talk more skeptic stuff. And I said, well, I, 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 I don't know. It's my show. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right. So back at your show uh, – Fake news has been around for a long time, mm. but it's really gained some prominence in the last year and a half yeah. for some reason. Um, has has this whole idea of fake news and that fake news, like anything you disagree with is fake news, has that like changed how you do your show at all? It's affected it in somewhat uh, some ways because I have to defend our current fifth grader in the Oval Office. Uh <laughs> Not necessarily defend him, but defend the truth. You know, uh, when the eclipse came through, all these pictures were out of him staring at the eclipse. And but you know, I, you know, I, I just said, watch the video. He doesn't stare. He glances. Everybody glanced. Okay, everybody glanced. I, I had the glasses, and I would look up to locate the sun in the sky before I put them on. And I think maybe that's because when you put them on, it's just it's black oh, yeah. out until you're looking at the sun. And I glanced at it. It's just – and that's part of what, that's coming up. And then there's all sorts of, you know, these stories that uh, – you know, ridiculous stories that come up that when I look I, – I challenge them on Facebook. I say, you know, is uh, – uh, is, uh, is, is World News Daily Report – a reliable source for news. Uh, here's a hint. No, it's not. <laughs> they make everything up and they put out these stories and people share them not realizing it's fake. You know, it's a good rule of thumb. If it's from the onion, <laughs> then you're, you, you go with it. But if it's not from the onion, you just got to just got to you, you really got to look for another source. I liked what you had said in not last night's show, but the show before that. Uh, if the if the website has the word truth in it, mm. you could pretty much guarantee that nothing in the article that's going to. I've been finding that. It, 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 you just you put truth in the in the title, and it's like okay, that's <laughs> a well, red flag. I remember a conversation you and I had regarding the the eclipse thing. Um, well, we were having it with somebody else, and it was on Facebook, mm-hmm. and like. Because you dared to support the truth about what had happened, mm. about you know him staring at the sun or not staring at the sun, you know you and I both got labeled as shills for Trump. Yeah, Trump supporter. Like, I, I am a trans woman living in Minnesota. Mm. Yeah, and my my personal politics are very lefty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, no, but at the same time, like the truth is the truth. Like, it, yeah, no matter what your political persuasion is, you can probably find something about your politician that you don't about a politician you don't like. Mm-hmm. That's truthful. You don't have to make stuff up. No, yeah, it, he he does enough. Yeah. He does enough on his own. Says enough on his own. Does enough on his own. That the truth is enough to to deal with him. To make stories up. And if and if I was going to defend lies against Obama, I should defend lies against you know Trump. Well, yeah, like I remember, you know, 
there were so many things about Obama's not born here or whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. gosh, I can tell you a whole lot of things I don't like about the guy like mm-hmm. that are true. Like you don't have to make this up. Right. Like, <laughs> it, it slays me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are right, just coming up to a break here again. So I really don't want to get you uh, de- a deep dive. <laughs> <laughs> a deep dive on pedantry. Um, <laughs> but we will do that when we come back. Okay. Uh, we'll return to our discussion that has been mysteriously absent of pinball wizards right after this brief commercial break. I'm Maddie Love with Jim Fitzsimmons. You're listening to Atheist Talk on AM 950, KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Thank you for tuning in to Atheist Talk on AM 950 KTNF. I'm Maddie Love in studio today with Jim Fitzsimmons, skeptic, atheist, and host, producer of Dimland Radio. Before we continue with our conversation, which will be our final segment this week, I wanted to thank our sponsors. Yes, we say this every week, but to be honest, it really is important to me and all of those who are at Atheist Talk that we keep secular voices on the public airwaves and in podcast form. Atheist Talk is produced with funding from the Minnesota Atheist and Cucumber Restaurant here in Edina. Please consider visiting our sponsors, and if you do, let them know that you appreciate their support of Atheist Talk. If you would like to advertise on this program and help us keep and help keep us on the air, please contact us at radio at mnatheist.org. This radio program is put together by dedicated volunteers and the generous donations of people like you. It is because of our listeners like you that we're able to keep Atheist Talk on the radio and in podcast form. This week, we'd like to thank monthly sustaining donors, Cindy and August. A thank you to our give, our give to the max donors, George, Thomas, and Steve. And finally, a thank you to our Patreon donors, Ryan, Ross, Jeff, Marissa, Ari, and Anne. If you're able to help with the donation, please consider doing so at our radio fund page. Or for as little as a dollar an episode, consider becoming a patron of the show by heading over to patreon.com slash atheisttalk. Minnesota Atheist is a 501c3 tax-deductible organization. We couldn't do this show without you, and we honestly do appreciate your support. Music for Atheist Talk is by composer and member Brent Michael David. As always, check out the Minnesota Atheist website at mnatheist.org, where you can browse articles, book reviews, and the calendar of upcoming events. While we always have a bunch of activities, I wanted to point out that on Saturday, December 16th, you can join Minnesota Atheists and the Humanists of Minnesota at 5 p.m. for our Winter Solstice Celebration at the Minnesota Humanities Center. Find Minnesota Atheists on meetup.com for many, many, many more events where you can meet fellow atheists, learn, have fun, and even give back to the community. All right, well... I promised that we would do uh, talk about pedantry. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite tree. <laughs> you have been accused of pedantry in the past. Oh, yeah. How would you respond to that accusation? Yeah. Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a pedant. Uh, I'm constantly – well, uh, I, I, I write a, a, a weekly blog for uh, the comic book store that I do some work for. Uh, the store is called Nostalgia Zone, and the blog is Warehouse Fine. And uh, I did a – a bit about uh, Star Trek The Next Generation on an episode called Clues. And uh, I, I, I think I titled it, you know, A Pedant Watches Star Trek Next Generation. And I said in there that, uh, you know, I say that I'm a, a bit of a pedant. Uh, some of my friends say I'm a, a lot of a pedant. And if you ask my wife, <laughs> she'll just go dead in the eyes and quietly groan. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I don't know what it is. I, I I do try to hold it back once in a while, and I do have to um, accept that, 
You know, when I get together with the Minnesota skeptics each month, uh, some of them are going to throw some pedantry at me and I'm just going to have to accept it. Say, yeah, you know, you've, you've called it down. You're going to get <laughs> you know, I say something like I, I've discovered that I like Coke Zero, which is seems – if you know me, you know I, I don't like diet stuff. And I, I, I tried it and I went, well, this stuff isn't bad. <laughs> and somebody said, it's Coke Zero sugar. <laughs> uh, okay, yes, you're right. <laughs> now, to be fair, that did just change. That's true. And, uh, and as far as I can tell, uh, Coke Cherry Zero is – Still Coke Jerry's Cherry Zero. There's Although no didn't sugar. it say that on the back of the label? Oh, <laughs> on the back of the can. On the back of a cylinder. Where's the back of a cylinder? <laughs> yeah, that well, was one of them. <laughs> you had mentioned just like, two episodes ago you brought that up. Um, and then you, you – I, I love this because it really got me thinking. You were talking about flat earthers. Yeah. And what is on the bottom of the earth, you know, talking about round things. Sure. And you mentioned stalactites. Yeah. But that got me thinking they only form when like – a dissolved liquid, you know, like when calcium carbonate is dissolved in liquid and it's like mm-hmm. dripping down. Yeah. So would you then say that the earth has a limited supply of water or that that water is somehow collected and then returned to the earth? You know, you'd have to ask a flat earther <laughs> what they would think. And it's, isn't it weird that flat earth is becoming a topic? It's just, it's, seriously, there are people out there. And and I, I don't, you know, that was one of my... Not planned, off the cuff <laughs> statements. Because I was thinking, what is on the bottom of the Earth? Then I mean, you know, we talk about Australia being on the bottom of the Earth, but really, from the perspective of space, there's no bottom of a of a sphere. There's, there's right. you know, we just have it that way because that's how we've looked at our maps. But uh, you know, and if somebody puts a globe upside down, it looks weird to us. And I mean, to actually say upside down, there is no upside down. <laughs> But a flat Earth has a bottom, so what's under there? And and I've seen illustrations where they have stalactites coming down, and, and that was a great question because eventually that water is all going to drip away, isn't yeah. it? Unless well, perhaps somehow maybe it's dripping down from somewhere else. And and my wife, uh, we were we were talking about this last night as well. Boy, my wife and I talk. <laughs> Interesting. Anyway, <laughs> she was saying, well, what what do the flat Earthers think? Other planets are shaped like, uh, you know, yeah, I thought, that's a good question. I wonder if they think the moon is a sphere and if the sun is a sphere, but somehow the earth is just this plate floating around in space. I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, you're talking about up and down. I just got to thinking, you know, every time I've, you know, I love Star Trek, mm-hmm. but every time you see like the Enterprise or something coming in, mm-hmm. it's always from the perspective of, you know, how we, we consider up and down. Right, right. But there's no reason why if you were, you could come in the other way right. and you just have a completely different yeah, perspective. Yeah, and two ships meet, they yeah. they face, yeah, it's, I think that's just, well, obviously it's, it's just for ease of, of the viewer. But that it, was a major plot point in Star Trek too, the Wrath of God. Well, that's true. He's just not thinking. He thinks two-dimensional. Yeah. You know, two-dimensionally <laughs> words. So how do you – I'm assuming that you're not always right. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how do you handle corrections? Um, or just are you like entirely perfect? Oh, no. Uh, if I make a mistake on the show and it's pointed out to me or if I find it, uh, I, I, I correct it the next show first thing. I bring it up the – First thing, I mean, I made a mistake about baseball. <laughs> I know. So it's like hitting a mess. I I was talking about how home field advantage is 
is determined, and for years it was determined by the winner of the All-Star Game. If the National League won the All-Star Game, they'd have home field advantage. And because the National League team, uh, the, the Dodgers, had home field advantage the, uh, this past World Series, I didn't watch the All-Star Game. I have to work on Tuesday nights, and that's when the game is played. Um, so I didn't watch it, and I forgot that the American League actually won it. So I assumed that the National League won it. And then I assumed that they still were setting it up by who wins the All-Star game. But I guess after last season, they decided uh, the whoever has the best regular season record gets home field advantage. And a friend of mine pointed that out to me. So oh, you got a couple things wrong. And so next show, top of the show, I said, ah, as hard as it is to believe, I made a mistake. I was wrong. <laughs> is that the biggest mistake that you feel like you've, you've made? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes it depends on uh, you know. I'm 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 an artist. I'm a cartoonist. Uh, uh, I do portraits. I'm fairly, sure, really fairly good. Old. I'm okay. <laughs> sure. um, you know, I see some artists like oh, forget it. Put the pencil down. Forget it. But uh, um, you know, sometimes on my weaker moments, I think I should have gone to accounting school because <laughs> you know I make. Uh, my son stole this joke from me once when I went to his. Uh, uh, his, I think it was fourth grade class to do a show my artwork and 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 I showed where I started because I still have examples from when I was a kid and how I progressed. You know, just practice gets you get better. And uh, he's introducing me to the class, my son, and he, he took my joke. He says, "Yeah, and Dad makes just enough money being an artist to be an office manager for a janitorial <laughs> service." <laughs> you little, <laughs> you <laughs> took my joke. <laughs> I, 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 for uh, uh, you know, a class of fourth graders, I don't think they quite caught it, but <laughs> he delivered it well, though. I did want to get uh, to a more serious note. Um, we've obviously chatted in person. We mm -hmm. we see each other at Minnesota Skeptics meetups. Yeah. Um, I've listened to your podcast. Mm -hmm. Are you ever labeled a source, social justice warrior? I don't know if I have. Um, it's not specifically, but I think. Well, you know, on Facebook sometimes, you know, well, we, I was labeled a, a Trump supporter because I dared support the truth. And then I've had other people, uh, you know, more conservative types think, you know, call you too liberal or something like that. So you must – I must be doing something right <laughs> because I – because I, you know, some, something that happened as I got older is it's a, a, a greater appreciation of the gray area and that the that there's nuance to everything. And it's just – it's not as simple as – you know, you're always wrong, and then I'm always right. Uh, so I, I try to view everything from that perspective. And uh, we were talking about the social justice and the those that are anti the social justice warriors. The, the, the social justice warriors will use the term as a as a badge of honor, and those that are disagreeing with them will use them as a term of, 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 of derogatory nature. And you know. I, I've I've had things where I've disagreed with on both sides, and I've had things where I've agreed with on both sides. And last last night's show, I talked about one in particular, and something he said. I won't go into it here, but until I heard him say that or confirm that he had said it, uh, I hadn't found anything terribly objectionable about his stuff. I could see where there was objection by some, but I thought, eh. but then he says <laughs> he said the one thing. I know it's tantalizing, but you'll have to download my show to hear what I talked about. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but it was that was enough to say yeah, we're done you know and uh, uh, but I, I'm willing to give people you know the chance to get to the point of we're done you know so I, I want to hear them out because and hopefully 
if I, you know, I, I was very liberal when I was much younger. I got in my 30s. I got very conservative. And now I'm somewhere in the middle somewhere. You know, it just depends on what topic you're talking about. You know, drug uh, legalization of drugs. Yes. Yes. Let's go. Let's, let's stop this drug, war on drugs. It's failed. It's a waste of money. But there's other things that I might be more conservative about. You know, it's, it's just, you know, we're all, we're not we're not on either end. We're somewhere in the middle. Well, like I, you know, I label myself a, a social justice warrior, but or sometimes a social justice mage. Um, mm-hmm. Well, but, then I'm out of here. <laughs> but I'm thinking, like, even then, like, even though I my personal politics are more on the left, it's like mm-hmm. I also see looking at around me people and left people are like anti-vaccine and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. the. They're anti-GMO, or they're—it's like they're listening to all these other like non-science, anti-science stuff. It's like you can't use science to back yourself up and over here, and then criticize and mm-hmm. say you know science is all wrong. And right. over here, I mean, it's fine to say that science is sometimes wrong because sure. hey, scientists will say oh, that yeah. before anybody else. But yeah, the anti-vax stuff—that's that's the that's the one thing on that that the the non-skeptical viewpoint uh, where people will. Go anti-vax. That's that's the one thing that upsets me most because it is. I of of the if you're going to believe in ghosts, fine. But if you if you're going to try to encourage people to not vaccinate their kids or themselves, uh, you're, you're you're that's a public hazard that you're that you're advocating there, and I I I can't stand that. So we've just got about 30, 45 seconds left. Last question: Are there any episodes in hindsight that you regret recording? <laughs> I used to have guests, and there was a fellow I had on there that gish galloped the, the hell out of me. <laughs> he came out. He he believes that that the Egyptians didn't build the pyramids because it's just not possible. We can't do that today with the stuff. And yes, we can, and yes, they did. And oh, please. But uh, I do. But I put that into my bonus feed on my podcast just so people can hear. <laughs> That it can happen. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in to Atheist Talk. I'm proud to be on the air with Minnesota Atheists, and I hope that you've enjoyed the show. This show depends on the generous support of our members, our sponsors, and donors. Please consider supporting the show through the donation link at mnatheist.org or our Patreon page. This has been Atheist Talk on AM 950, KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. The podcast for this show will be available in just a couple hours. Have a fantastic Sunday. Remember to tip your bartender and stick around through this brief commercial break for American Atheist Viewpoint. Hello and welcome to the American Atheist Viewpoint. I'm Nick Fish, National Program Director for American Atheists, and thank you as always for joining us. Uh, This week we've had a lot more revelations in the Roy Moore, um, I don't even know if it's appropriate to call it um, sexual misconduct charges. Um, The allegations are that uh, Judge Moore, uh, when he was a younger man, when he was in his 30s, um, would pursue and in multiple cases allegedly um, sexually assaulted um, young women um, as young as the age of 14, um, including a woman who came forward um, who had a yearbook uh, that was allegedly signed by Judge Moore uh, when he was a district attorney, um, and she was a 16-year-old high school student working in a, as a uh, waitress in a restaurant. Um, you know, these allegations are uh, horrifying and shocking uh, on one level, but not at all surprising on another level when you consider the um, type of behavior that's been excused and that's been allowed and that's been um, 
a part of evangelical Christianity in this country for a really long time. Um, Roy Moore, in an, in an interview with Sean Hannity, um, seemed to indicate that this was sort of an expectation. This was a totally normal thing uh, from uh, at the time. This was a normal thing for him in the 1970s. Um, that it was completely normal for a 32, 35 year old man, uh, to be pursuing 17, 16 year old girls. Um, you know, the allegations here though, just as a reminder, aren't simply that he pursued them or tried to date them. It's that on multiple occasions he, um, sexually assaulted them or uh, tried to use, uh, alcohol as a way of, uh, enticing them into participating in, in, you know, in, in, into sexual encounters. And so, you know, this is, this is a, just a really horrifying thing. And, um, the, the excuses that are coming out from people, um, trying to justify this, um, I think really speak to one of the main issues, uh, in our country and, and in our politics. Um, and I want to read, uh, a, a passage from a letter um, that was released in support of Roy Moore um, that was signed by something like 55 different pastors, um, some of whom um, said that they weren't asked if they wanted to sign this, uh, that they had signed a previous letter in support of him, and that Roy Moore's wife had uh, basically taken those folks and just added them to a new letter, which um, you know sort of speaks to what's going on here. Um, and it was signed by, quote, pro-family leaders and pastors from across the nation, end quote. Um, and here's, here's the passage. Quote, we stand with Judge Roy Moore, a man of integrity who has never wavered from his valiant defense of the unborn, the Ten Commandments, and the Constitution. We are confident the voters of Alabama will not be fooled by suspiciously timed accusations without evidence and will reject the politics of personal destruction led by the Washington Post, end quote. Um, so I want to take this one at a time here. Um, the thing that I think is really key here is the first part, a man who has never wavered from his valiant defense of the unborn. And this is something that I've touched on uh, previously that I kind of make the argument for, um, you know, in, in the work that we do and in talking with advocates, the, the people who genuinely believe, um, wrongly, obviously, the people who genuinely believe that abortion is murder, that it's literally murder, are very willing to defend, willing to excuse all sorts of things in service of that, in service of ending abortion, in service of outlawing abortion. And, you know, this is, this is what has happened in our politics because this one issue, for a person who genuinely believes that, this one issue trumps all others. Um, someone who tells you that they're going to write this wrong, write this, um, you know, in your view, genocide of people, of course, you're willing to set aside their own personal baggage. Um, and, you know, and I don't want to minimize, obviously, what Roy Moore has done or what these women are accusing him of. But that's what they view it as. They view these as minor indiscretions um, or minor in comparison to ending the evil of abortion. And that's that's a really dangerous thing because it's it allows people to come into office who are completely unqualified to serve in that in that office or completely disqualified or should be completely disqualified because of their uh, their other their problems because of their views because of their statements because of their actions um, and and people just sort of ignore that um, you know Roy Moore before all of these allegations came out. 
um, is an extremely pro- was an extremely problematic person, a person who had been twice thrown off the bench um, for uh, violating federal court orders, a person who uh, has specifically said that Muslims should not be allowed to serve in the U.S. Congress. Um, that the First Amendment only protects Christians, um, who believes that the Ten Commandments are superior to the Constitution, that the Ten Commandments, uh, you know, should be the foundation for our laws. Um, all of these things are disqualifying. All of him saying that, you know, homosexuality should be illegal, um, in 2015 should have been disqualifying. And yet, because there are people who view abortion as a, as a literal evil, as the literal murder of children, they are willing to ignore everything else in order to put in place someone who walks the line um, on this issue. And you know, this is this is what people said. This is what the um, the faith leaders for this uh, at this press conference. These faith leaders who frame themselves as pro-family, but you know, again, to be clear, um, there's nothing pro-family about about this. This is all about being anti-abortion. Um, and that's, you know, that's what this is. That's what this is about. That's, that's the core issue here that, that people vote on and that there are, there are so many people in this country who vote only on this issue and are willing to allow in people who, um, who are, who are on their side on this, regardless of what else they've done. Um, and that really speaks to you know a, a, a grave dysfunction in our nation's politics that we we need to we need to address. And I think the only way to address this is um, to confront these issues head on, um, and really think hard about ways that we can um, have this conversation. Because you know too often we say things like, "Well, these shouldn't these things shouldn't be up for debate," and I agree they shouldn't be, but they are unfortunately. And so we have to do. Uh, we as advocates for choice or we as people who support choice uh, have to do a better job of actually confronting these arguments um, and working with people who can speak the language of religious folks um, to to try to dial this back, um, to take this away from the uh, pitched rhetoric of things being the murder of children um, and instead to policy choices. Um and that's that's the issue here. Um, and, and, you know, if you think, if you genuinely think that children are being murdered by the tens of millions, of course you're going to do everything you can to stop it, including um, apparently voting for someone who um, sexually assaults 14-year-olds. Um, and you know, that's that's a concern. Um, that's a really scary thing for our nation's politics. Um, that's all the time I have for this week. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Uh, for more information about our work or to become a member, please visit www.atheists.org. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.